The reality is that God has given us amazing opportunities to help our kids learn and grow in him. And we are so blessed at Bakersfield Adventist Academy to have the support of this church financially and through prayers. And I know there are those of you who pray every single day for our school. And we are blessed by your prayers. And the kids are blessed by the prayers that, that attend our school too. There are so many that have come to our school in the last few years that didn't know what to expect. And I will tell you that church members, even within a couple of weeks after they have started attending Bakersfield Adventist Academy, have said there is a change because they are in an environment where daily they are invited to follow Jesus. That's what Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, isn't it? Our God is a great God. He has given us a blueprint, a plan for our kids. Proverbs chapter, you know, well, we know this well, and I'm looking at the time here, and I'm going to uh, summarize some of this. We know the passage well that says, train up a child in the way he should go. And what? And when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Notice it doesn't say, train up a child in the way I think he should go, or you think he should go, in the way he should go. And there's a difference. By the way, Ellen White is very clear. She, she, she supports this and says, parents need to know their children so they know how to lead them. And that's a paraphrase, to be sure. But that's what she tells us. And it's in relationship to this passage. When we, when we teach kids, and I'm looking at our teachers here, they don't teach every kid the same. If we do, not every kid learns. At home, I can tell you that my mother said without question, I'm not sure where this fifth child of mine came from because he's not like his older brother. My brother is the smart one. He, he, when he finished, uh, when he took his engineering test at Walla Walla University, 99th percentile. He's the one that's responsible. Well, they're still using his, some of his uh, uh, programming that he did for Bonneville Power Administration in the Northwest for the power grid up there. They're still using it from the 1970s. Invited him back after he had early retirement. Ask me to do that? No way. Ask my brother to do what I do? No way. And the same for all the rest of us here. They're given amazing gifts from God. This church, and the pastor and I were, were talking just before we came out here, we have amazing gifts here in this church. Amen. It's the whole package. We have teachers, right? It's not just about teachers today. We have those that have... Well, really, the gift of prophecy is the gift of telling the truth, right? We have those that have the gifts of hospitality, and we could go on. And as we use those together, not only do we support this church, but we support one another and make a difference for the kids. I can tell you that when there are issues in the church, we know about it at school. 
I, I teach, I've taught uh, Bible for about 16 years in the last, and every, sometimes in other years. This last year I was teaching uh, juniors, uh, junior Bible, and we were going through the, um, through the 28 fundamental beliefs. And the one on unity, I asked the question at the beginning of the period, on a scale of one to 10, how would you describe the unity in your church? And I said, I'm not asking you to give me a number, just think about it. And there were heads going like this, folks, that's sad. I don't know what number would have been assigned by the eight students that attended six of our churches, but I can tell you they see whether or not we love each other. They see whether we, whether we support one another. They see whether we really love Jesus or not. Amen. And what an opportunity we have with the gifts that God has given us to make an important difference in their lives. One week ago was the seven-year anniversary of a, what could have turned out to be a serious disaster. It was bad to start with. A 45-story slab of rock fell into the mine there in Chile. Do you remember that? Trapped 30. By the way, I think there's a movie out, I haven't seen it, but a movie called 33 that recounts that. I'm told it's really accurate in its depiction. These men are trapped. 33 of them, slab of rock, 45 stories high, slams down into the escape route. The predictions of what was going to happen were dire. First of all, they couldn't communicate with them for the first 17 days. They sent a probe down, a four-inch probe, finally were able to get a note back up, and the rest of the world knew for the first time that they were safe. They, had, they were able to go to the safety chamber. They were able to, um, you know, drink some putrid water. And they had a small can of, I don't remember, it was, they had mackerel and they had something else, some of the kind of, maybe it was tuna, a small can that divided into 33 precise portions. They're safe. How are they going to get there? How are they going to get out? That's the question we have to ask ourselves too, isn't it? How are we going to get there when it is impossible? There's only one that gets us out. There is only one way. Back when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he had just told Peter, you know, Peter, you're going to die me three times, and Peter says, no way. And uh, then, then, you know, Thomas asked the question, you know, how are we going to know the way? And Jesus says, you know the way. And Thomas goes, no, you know, no, we don't. And it was true because it wasn't until after his death that they really understood what he was talking about. What is the way? Well, these men had no way out. It was only through the efforts of prayers and 133 people really working around the clock as a team to get them out. I will never forget uh, when the first person came out. <laughs> um, yeah, Florencio Antonio Avalis Silva emerged from the capsule to freedom to the cheers heard around the world on October 13, 2010. By the way, they'd had trouble too. You know, families are messy at times, right? Sometimes schools are messy. Sometimes churches are messy. 
there was one individual that decided he was going to tell um, one of his fellow miners who didn't happen to be Chilean. He was, I think, Bolivian, if I remember correctly. And he said, uh, you know, you're the first one we're going to eat. How does that work? You're down there trapped, and, you know, you're kind of looking over your shoulder out of the corner of your eyes trying to, no, not really, but they knew he was joking, but he didn't say it just once. When hurtful things happen, forgiveness has to be given, and we know that happened down there. They are continuing, you know, to get together, as I understand it, through, through the years at different times. But when he, when he emerged, people cheered. The part that I am going to uh, go to right now is the very last part. Late Saturday night, I turned on the TV, it was October 12, if I remember right, and our time is, and their time is already October 13. On day 69, the Chilean mine, of the Chilean mine collapse ordeal, I waited while the first person came up. We witnessed with the rest of the world the first of 33 trapped miners ascending to freedom. It took hours. It was captivating, it was inspiring. More than 130 people worked tirelessly to make it to bring them to safety. Family and friends had been praying all along to welcome them home. And again, an outpouring of prayers and support has sustained all involved. Well, shift manager Luis Alberto the Riveran, was the last to be rescued. And again, the air was filled with more with exhilaration than relief. More mission accomplished than fear. By the way, I would have been fearful coming up that capsule, wouldn't you? Think about this. About the distance from here to Mount Vernon, a little bit further, is the distance they had to come up through, through that shaft that's 14 inches around, which means they're less than 14 inches. And, you know, your face is right here seeing the rock go in front of your face. Does it take faith to step in the capsule, folks? Does it take faith to do what God asks us to do? Without question. But as, as, he, as he came up and uh, came out of, the, out of that capsule, obviously, celebration just was unleashed. And again, around the world, everyone's safe. Here are Luis's poignant words. Here is my shift. Here are my miners. And my prayer today for each of us that on that day when we see Jesus face to face, we will say, here is my shift. Here are my children. Here's my church. Here's my family. Mr. Dulcich, here are my pathfinders. Those of you that teach kids and our young ones in the, in the rooms over here, here's my Sabbath school. And those that teach here, here's my Sabbath school. And teachers, here are my students. And for me, here's my staff, here's my school. And then we wait, not long, because the real extreme makeover really happens. Think back for a moment of William Murray and what his life was like. Imagine where he was headed. Imagine where God found him. 
Imagine what we can do with our school and our church and our homes working together to make a difference now, but the real extreme makeover happens when Jesus calls us home. And again, the celebration throughout eternity will begin when he says, enter into the joy of our Lord. This morning, we dedicate our staff and our teachers, and I see Kent Simmons here. Kent, come on forward, come forward here. We're going to invite our our uh, support staff for Bakersfield Adventist Academy uh, to come forward. And um, we're so blessed to have an amazing group of people to work with. And here's the microphone there. We're going to ask them to come forward, and uh, Kent is going to have prayer for them. So any of the support staff that are here, we know that not everyone could be here today. Kent is our board chairman at Bakersfield Adventist Academy, and uh, we're thankful for his leadership as well. So staff, come on up. Just the, just the uh, classified staff, those that are here. There may, may be just a few. Come on, Monica. There we go. By the way, those of you that, that know Enoch Mendoza, his mother is very ill, not expected to live. He is here coming with us. We need to remember him in prayer as well. Uh, he was here he, earlier this year. He was uh, went to see her, and uh, our heart heartaches for the times that we live on this earth. Our heart rejoices that the earth made new, right? When we are made over. Let's bow our heads, Lord. On the Sabbath day, we come before you, our hearts humble, and so thankful that you are here today. We're thankful for your presence and your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we look forward to another school year, your leadership, we just ask that you would fill each of our staff, our teachers, everyone with your spirit. Lord, help us to work together, to be unified, to teach and lead the children of this community, their families, to you and to your love. Lord, we just ask that you guide each of us, guide our thoughts, our actions, our words. Use us the way that you would have us be used. Make this school what you would have it to be and a shining example of your love. Lord, again, we're so thankful for each person that's here today and those that are not. And Lord, just uh, send your love to each member here to each family, and to each child. We pray in your name. Amen. First of all, I want to thank Brother Mike for that powerful message. Thank you. We're very blessed by that. It is my high honor and privilege to be able to pray and consecrate our teachers at BAA. So would all of our teachers from the academy, would you please come forward right now? No. Stay. Please just stay right, right in front of me. Go ahead in front of me. I'll be right in front of me. Go ahead. What's that? Let's make room. Please, let's come a little closer. 
need to act like we like each other. Let us pray. Our most loving and kind Heavenly Father, I thank you for the call. The precious call that you gave to these individuals here to come and teach our young ones. And Lord, I consecrate every man and woman here today. I consecrate them, put them into your hands, and give them a wisdom, Lord. A wisdom to teach our young ones. Help them to reflect the light and love of Jesus to our young people. Help them to nurture the character of our young ones. Help them to grow into the likeness of Christ. Father, there are many challenges that these teachers will face, but I pray that you'll give them a double portion of your Holy Spirit. Guide and protect them. May this be the most blessed school year we have all ever experienced. Father, I thank you for these who have heard your call to come and teach. Father, they are tremendous individuals. There is really no higher calling than to be a caretaker for our young ones. And again, Father, I commit our school, our staff, our teachers, and our students into your care. For Christ's sake I pray. Amen. Amen. In addition to the teachers that we have here, as part of my family, and uh, as one of the educational superintendents from the Central California Conference, I'm always happy to see our teachers all primed and ready for a new school year. But in addition to that, we have a lot of other educators, probably in this congregation, who teach in the mission field of public education. And I'm just wondering if we have any preschool teachers, anybody who is a K through 12 teacher in the public schools or other private schools, and anybody who's connected with higher education, teaching adults, would you please stand? Anyone? All Amen. right. Amen. I'd like to invite you down so that we can have prayer with you. <clears throat> You have a very special ministry. Amen. And while you can't be as overt in proclaiming the name of Jesus in, uh, in your schools, uh, with Jesus shining through your life, students can see Jesus through you. Amen. All right, we have uh, many gifted people. Amen. And God has given them the gift of teaching. And we're thankful for that. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have given the gift of teaching, that some have chosen to work in our church school system, others have chosen to work in the public arena. But each one, has an, an obligation to let their light shine through their lives 
so that people can see, their, their students can see Jesus in them. We want uh, these people that are before you today to feel your presence, to feel the support of the holy angels and uh, can invite within themselves the Holy Spirit so that the love of Jesus can shine through them. We pray for your blessing too upon our principal of our school here. We know that it's a heavy responsibility and we want uh, your life, uh, his life to shine forth, reflecting the love of Jesus to all those about him. We pray for the members of this congregation. And as the Bakersfield Adventist Academy begins its 116th year of continuous operation, we thank, we thank God and this congregation and other congregations like it for their dedication to Adventist education. We pray now for your blessing upon this church, upon these teachers. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for the benediction. Our Father in heaven, you have rescued us. You have redeemed us. You have loved us. You've shown us the path of service. We pray that you would empower us through your spirit as we go from this place to make a difference in our community, in our schools, in our homes, in our church. Thank you so much for loving us. Go with us now through your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The congregation remains seated to be excused. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> 